Kokorongo ki te tangi a te kori mako Ko rero flowing a te hoka force Ko papa relevant, ko papa out of bounds Ko papa exigent, ko papa paramount Nga ko nga whakapiri mai ki te Ko papa tino whakahira hira Whakarongo pi kari kari mai Hare hare mai, o tari ngā hare hare mai We gotta gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kane kane move that body Kane kane move that body E ngā tai e whā, e whati mai nei, e pariaturā, e mihatu ana ki a koutou katoa, tēnā rā koutou. Tēnā tātou e te iwi, here we are again in the bustling metropolis of Te Awamatu. I'm doing sound effects <laughs> with my hands that would sound like traffic. Have you noticed when, you, when you're driving down the road, on, on the road, and you've got the window down, yeah. and you hear that sound, yes. and then you go past the power pole and it goes... <laughs> And if you pass anything on the road, anyway, I just thought I'd say that. Well, Sorry, I'll let have you, you noticed when you've got the windows right down and you're going really fast, and then it starts sounding like a helicopter? No, maybe because I've only got one ear that works, <laughs> and I do I only got one ear that works. Yes, I know. So, and I forget about that. So the other day, and we've been having the conversation about Queen. If you haven't seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, go and see it. I was listening to the, a remastered version of Bohemian Rhapsody and I was wondering why some voices were missing. Mm. And I just clicked. That's probably because they were playing in this other ear, eh? Absolutely. Um, and there's a voice you don't know. Yes, so you might have just heard another voice in the studio and you might be wondering, who is that? Our beautiful three-person co-host today. <laughs> I thought you were going to say three-headed something, but you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to yeah. call me fire. <laughs> oh, co-host. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Kill the fire. We'll talk about that later anyway. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. How about you introduce yourself? Tēnā koutou katoa. Ko Julia Stenson toko ingoa. Ko Ngāti Whātua Rawa ko Waikato Tainui oku iwi. I'm the General Counsel at the Wānanga Aotearoa. That's basically the in-house lawyer. Ooh. Ooh. Do you say general council or council? Was it yeah, uh, it is council. Okay, if you want to emphasize the fact that I'm not a council, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I think you better. St- I think that we need to define that. Yes. <laughs> say general council. <laughs> say heroia kwe nira. Heroia kwe nira. Yeah, you're a lawyer. Eh? Yeah, Ro- yeah. I, I know that the kupu for lawyer is roya. Yeah. Just don't know all of the um, packing around it. <laughs> <laughs> and tēnā koe e te tōhine, e noho tahine. Thank you for joining us. And so you all know, this is what I do full time, mate. Eh? This is like a side thing, Taringa. And welcome back to Taringa, by the way, brought to you by Te Wānongo Te Roa. As I was leaving my tari, Julia, her tari is across from mine, and she says, where are you going? And I says, I'm going to do Taringa. And she goes, oh, I might pop down. I go, yeah. And she goes, I think I'm going to walk. I goes, all right, then I'll meet you there later. And I turned up, and here she is. And I says, well, you must have jump in. And here she is. Here she is. So there you go. Say mm. no my Julia. Lovely to have you. Oh, namahi. Tēnā koe. Our kiwaha for this episode, episode 73, is. Fitu Yes. Fitu Kotahi atu. From my understanding, kotahi atu is to make a beeline for something, That's to get right. straight in there, get straight to the point. Why do you think we say beeline when bees, you know, they don't actually go straight, they go like... Yeah, they do. They, they like tītaka, like the piwai waka. Or the piwaka waka. Or the waka rangi rangi. That's right. <laughs> is it about the bee? No, I don't think so. Is it about like a baseline? <laughs> 
It could be. Oh, not sure. There you go. Yeah. Oh, kreo koe, Julia. Yes. <laughs> yes, kotahi atu means straight to the point, beeline, get to it. If I was to use it in a sentence, I'd say, oh, i kotahi atu au ki tāmaki, so I went straight to Auckland. Mm. Or I could say, mm. i kotahi atu ki te kaupapa. Yes, yeah. Or i kotahi atu a Julia ki te kōrero mo te kaupapa, so she went straight to talking about the kaupapa, discussing the kaupapa. Yeah, no beating around the bush. Yeah. For instance, if I was to add an anna to it, I could use it in a reply. So, say, you ask me, oh, do you think we should go straight to the hui? And I could say, kotahi atu anna. Ai, kotahi atu anna. Yeah, we're going to go straight to Yeah, you. like, yes, Instead definitely. Instead of saying, kotahi atu. I could still say ai kotahi atu, but... It just sounds better, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, say okay. kotahi atu. It means kotahi straight atu. to the point. Yeah, kotahi atu. Like, oh, should we talk about this now or later? Ai, kotahi atu. All right. Yeah. Well, kotahi atu ki te kaupapa, eh? There you go. <laughs> kotahi atu, we've done enough beating around the bush before then. Kia ora. Yes. So we're going to carry on with part two of patapatai. It went so well the other day that yeah. we thought we have to bring you all more of it. Yeah, we got all these great reviews. <laughs> all these great reviews yeah, from ourselves. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth is we only got through a few questions and there's so many from everybody. Thank you for everybody who engages with our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see. And yes, we do look at your guys' questions and comments and posts, just so you know. Yeah. Here we have one from Ariana Stevens. Kia ora, Ariana Stevens. She wanted us to discuss Taya versus Ahe. That's one that's pretty interesting for me. Fakaro Māori. I'm guessing what what is it to Fakaro Māori? And one more. Ture o te hangu me ngā hua kaputa mehe mea koe kahapa. For example, i tapa hia au e te parawa. Mm. Should we start from Taya versus Ahe? Yes. So basically Taya, T-A-E-A, versus Ahe, A with a macron or R-H-E-I, Ahe. Taya is being able to do something, you have the ability to do something. Mm. Whereas Ahe is about whether you have the power to do something as opposed to the means to be able to do it. So... Let's say, kataya e te rā kōtiro te traiwa. Yeah. She can drive. She's able to because she knows how to, but kāore ia e ahe, but she's not actually allowed to drive. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tariao. Everyone should remember Tariao from the earlier episodes, the original Way co-host. back in episode one to whichever one she left through. Yes. Well, I was writing an email, I can't remember who it was to, I was writing it in Te Reo Māori and she, I used to get her to always check my Te Reo Māori because <laughs> mm. she's just so knowledgeable in that area. Yeah. She told me one particular line I had written, kātaia e koe te something something, I don't know, and she said to me, oh, you should change it to ahe? Mm. And I was like, oh, why is that? And she's like, because... Yeah, they might be able to do that, like physically able to do what you're asking, but they might not be allowed or that, you know, they might have not have the time to mm. actually help you do it. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, that you have just dropped a penny right there. So it's kind of like, do they have the capacity? You know, they yeah. can, but... Yeah, Yeah. 
Mm. They have the capacity to do it, and the other one is do they have the mana to do it? Ah, yeah. wow, yes, Ooh. yeah, 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 mana, cool. So you have to be really careful with that distinction. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And when people, um, a lot of people, when they start using tire and then they learn about ahe, you get a bit mixed up using the two. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of think of it as tire is, are you able to whatever it is? And ahe, can you whatever it is? I don't think it's about able and can, because you can still, you know, I can drive, but I'm not allowed to. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I shouldn't drive because by the law, <laughs> I haven't got a license or whatever. You yeah. know, so I shouldn't, but I can drive because I have the ability to do so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the difference between Tai and Ahi. Fakaro Māori. That's a hard one, I reckon. Yeah. What is it to Fakaro Māori? Yeah, mm. this gets talked about in different hui, actually. Yeah. Sometimes it gets bandied around mm. and people don't know what they're talking about when they're talking about whakaro Māori or Māori worldview or Māori philosophy because that's what it is. Mm. Yeah. And see, essentially, whakaro Māori is Māori worldview, Māori philosophy, Māori way of thinking, Māori thought process. Would it be the lens? Yep. Whakaro Māori is, is a good wānanga, actually. And yesterday we talked about was it Māori art? Māori, kai Māori was one name. Yeah, Kai Māori. Sort of and I sort of talked about toi Māori or Māori art. Yeah. And I says, well, what's your definition of Māori art? Is it a Māori <laughs> who's doing art? Yeah. Is it art that you would think it looks Māori? Is that Māori art? What is whakaro Māori? Is it a ma- is it Māori who thinks? Yeah. Or is it? Well, what do you both think? Because well, it's the same Māori with is? business. It's like, is it a Māori business because there's Māori running it? Or yeah. is it a Māori business because it's run from, oh, you know, that, that, that source? Yeah, there's the rain. That source oh, of, no. of um, a point of view. Yeah. Or, a, or a, sorry, a, um, a way of thinking that comes from yep. the puna. I don't know, because it's hard, like, when learning te reo Māori, because I'm learning it as a person whose first language is English, Mm. when I try to talk Māori, I'm translating Pākehā sentences in my head into Māori sentences, and I think that kind of maybe trips me up because I'm too busy trying to get the right translation where I'm missing out all these other ways I could say something in a different Māori way. I don't know if... Does that make sense? Do you? Mm. It makes a lot of sense to me because I'm the same. Yeah. In fact, I'm probably further back than... I'm, I'm real novice, really. I consider myself novice. And I think when I started learning, I, I was doing the same. I was trying to translate in the same... Format. Syntax, yeah. even. The sentence structure of English, which was just crazy. And, yeah. and mm. when I realised I had to let that go and actually come from the Māori point of view of how that should be constructed, mm. things just got so much easier. Mm. Yeah. And I think if you took that analogy of a syntax and applied it to life, is, you know, there's ways of doing things as Māori and there's ways that things that are done that they don't follow the Māori way of doing things. Yeah. Same with a sentence structure. So the verb and the noun and all those sorts of things and the agent and stuff. The same miro to how we go about some of the things we do. Which, for instance, 
I go to a, a lot of hui and the hui Māori, everybody will greet everyone usually. Yeah. Depending how big the hui is, not talking about a big consultation hui, but if there's a hui at the pa or even at mahi here, or at the wānanga and other kaupapa Māori, everyone will go around and greet one another and to familiarise each other and, you know, do little mihi. It's not really formal or anything. Yeah. And you might have some whakawhanaungatanga or yeah. not, but that whakawhanaungatanga happens when you engage with everybody before the hui. And that's yeah. really, really mm. important. Yeah. And it's really foreign to me when I go to other, when I go to hui and yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. And I feel really awkward. It's just the case of having to, okay, this is how they do it. Much later, I might actually meet the people in the hui. But, um, yeah. But you've been there that whole time. Mm. And you talked about today at a hui you were at, and it was actually a hui Māori. I'm not saying that Aye. was and who it was. <laughs> yeah, and it got quite intense. And then he had a bit of a break for Kai, eh? And then whoever was running hui said, oh, we've only got Kai for the Komatua. For the Komatua. Oh. Yeah. Not for everybody. No. Well, you know, that just made everybody, and everybody was hangry. And <laughs> it just escalated it. Yeah, that, now that's not for Karo Māori. No. See, yeah. yeah, in that sort of context, what I view for Karo Māori is something for everyone. Mm. And whakawhanaungatanga or whanaungatanga is something that, like, underpins most of our values, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I was having this really interesting kōrero with someone in the weekend, and apparently the new big thing in professional sports teams around the world is to employ this sense of whanaungatanga in their teams. Right. Because they figure hello. no matter how... Yeah, I know, hello. <laughs> but, just, but haven't they learned that off the All Blacks? Didn't they say that the actual haka had... That's one of the kind of key secrets that I've just given away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because that kind of coming together and yeah. doing a kani kani, well, you know, learning that. Together. Togetherness and actually performing that at the start, it's, it's bigger than just that Doing kind of challenge. It's also... Yeah. Mm. The, about um, unity and kotahi. Yeah, yeah, unity, yes, and having that connectedness. Are those things, though, really Māori only? Or are mm. they things that other I that think people that Māori, that have forgotten? Or? Yeah, I think that Māori just understand the, and have never forgotten the importance of relating to each other mm. as humans before we get into some, you know, raru raru, really. Or whatever. Whatever. Yes. And when you've been to Hui where they don't do it, it's so apparent mm. the impact it has on that Hui outcome. Mm. Or even how it's run. It's a lot smoother, I think, in mm. my experience. If you do, you are doing those things up front. Kia ora. Yeah. In short, I think that Fakaro Māori is underpinned by our tikanga and our values mm. and our mātāpono, or our principles. Yeah. So I think that's what underpins Fakaro Māori. And if you are removed or haven't been reconnected or are removed or not connected enough or you've been away from home or away from those environments, then it can be a bit of a challenge to think Māori. I have to say even the values, which of course are important to know, 
but the penny didn't drop for me until I learnt more about the history. Yes, that's a good yeah. point, yeah. And some of the stories that mm. inform the tikanga as well. Yeah. Yeah. Tino. Kanui tēnā mō te whakaaro Māori and taia me te āhei. And I think we covered Rere Hangu. But just still on that whakaaro Māori, I don't know, what do you call it? Idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking here that at... Māori whakaaro. A, mes- a message from Arthur Tane. And he has asked, how can we address our employers in a way where Ooh. it's time to have a cultural leave policy? Oh, here you go, Julia. This yes, one's for you, for you. <laughs> Timing. Without being demanding. She's <laughs> <laughs> well, the perfect guest to have on the show today. I guess my question is, I'm assuming here that you're not working for uh, an organisation that works through the lens of Chao Māori. So... I think that, you know, there's a lot of talk about cultural competency at Mm. the moment. And I think that's really what you're speaking to. Mm. And it is around sitting down with your employer and really having that conversation about the fact that perhaps they need to understand more around the Māori culture, given that, you know... It is the indigenous culture. And that can be a difficult conversation. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've worked for Pakao organisations where they would ask me things during the earthquakes. One of the, I was in the Wellington earthquake and I had one of the people that I work with say, is there a reason why the Māori people are leaving the buildings? Is there a cultural reason? And I was like, well, are they the only ones leaving? Yeah. No. But I was just wondering. It's like, okay, well, I'm not quite sure how to take that. Yeah. Yeah, because they're breaking. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it can be quite a a touchy subject and it will depend, I think, Mm. and I'm interested to know what you guys think, but depends on you have to make a judgment call about how open your employer is to that conversation because you Mm. don't want to get yourself in trouble, you know, like the reality is they are your employer. So, Mm. But there is a good cause for asking for cultural leave. Yeah. I believe that's in this day and age. Mm-hmm. What would be cultural leave? What would fit under that? What's that? Cultural competency or? Yeah, what is cultural competency? Well, it's just kind of understanding that your culture is not the only culture in the world and you're working with people who come from different cultures. Yeah. There's a benefit in that. There's a benefit in diversity. Mm-hmm. They also talk about thought diversity. And for them to kind of open their eyes to the fact that there's not just their view mm. yeah. in the world. And yeah. people genuinely, it's not just a sky off. There are things that your culture, you know, because it's not just Māori culture that has, no. mm. has those things. Yeah. No, definitely not. Yeah. And that's one thing and that's noticed and well, recognised, I should say, and acknowledged in Te Wānong Aotearoa is it's not just, if you're applying for a cultural leave, it's not just Māori cultural mm. things mm. that you can apply for. Yeah. But if you want an example of cultural leave, it could be attending an iwi event or oh, celebration. Yes. Yep. could be, for instance, the ratana um, yes. celebrations or any of the kingitanga yep. things. That's right, because those happen during the week. They're not, yeah. not everything's in the weekend. I think tangi is another. Is another that, well, yeah, would that be a totally it, different one? Yeah, that's. I think that's another kaupapa kōrero is not really cool. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But it could fall under it. I think most Mm. Pākehā think that it's immediately for tangi. Yeah. I know of a company, well, they're 
they're, they're little, but they hire Māori, but they're very careful in how many Māori they hire from the same whānau. <laughs> because they know if there's a tangi, True. then a the whole lot of them are going to take leave at the same time. Yeah. You know? Well, so that's they, risk mitigation. Yeah, yeah, risk mitigation. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. There you go. You know, talking about the cultural leave and things like that, I've had people comment to me who don't work for the wānanga. They say, oh, you're lucky. You get to go to this and that. And, and I think, well, you chose to work where you do work. Hmm. Maybe maybe they don't have enough many options to them. I don't see it that I'm lucky. Well, I do. I feel lucky that I work at the wānanga, but I think that that's being able to attend those cultural things or kaupapa Māori, and I call it kaupapa leave, that's part and parcel of working for a Māori organisation. Mm. It's good that you're in this corridor. It's good timing because I've never worked for a Pākehā organisation. Wow. So I wouldn't know otherwise. We are lucky. Yeah. We're, we're very lucky mm. in that respect. You yeah. know, there's never any question about whether or not we should go to an important yeah. event. Yeah. You know? It's so, encouraged. Yeah, it actually is encouraged, <laughs> eh? Exactly. And maybe if it's very hard for you to approach your employer about those types of things, maybe they might not be the right employer for you. Yeah. Alternatively, what you want to do is think about how it could benefit them. It may even be that understanding Māori culture could be of benefit to them, you know, like mm. finding ways that it becomes a, a reciprocity. A reciprocal situation. Mm. Some good sound advice there, I think. Yeah. I think ko te mea have the conversation, first yeah. and foremost. What do you want exactly? Yeah. You know, go in there and be clear about that. At the same time, birangi Māori. Yeah, definitely. Birangi Māori. Yes. Rau e We have here from Daniel Brown. He pātai au ki a kōrua mō te kaupapa a me o. Mm-hmm. Pātai tāku, yes. He's got whakāhua adjectives. I might be overcomplicating things if I'm describing my wife's looks or feelings. Mm. Wife is a for looks or... No, sorry. Or does one override the other? Or if I were to say something about our niece's car, tō tato iramatuaka, or is it tā tato iramatuaka? It's te waka or tā tato iramutu. So you're describing the car that belongs to your niece. So your niece would be a, but her car is or. So and it's still or because it's an it's a it's a, a vehicle for transportation. So. Your relationship to the person doesn't dictate whether their position is going to be A or O, because they're A. It's the fact of what is the position. Is it an A or an O? And in this case, it's an O. So the position is O, but the niece is an A. Yeah. If he was talking about his... You got me, Julia Fulling. His niece is (laughs) Kuri, then the Kuri is an A. Mm -hmm. So it'll be Te Kuri. Yeah, Te Kuri A. A. Taku. Taku iramatu. Yeah. What about how he was asking here about his his wife's wife's looks or feelings? Same things, or. Yeah, say feelings, any feelings, emotions, thoughts are always or. Yeah, or the kariaro. Or na, so it'll be or na fakaro, her thoughts, or ku, my thoughts, o fakaro, your thoughts, or or fakaro, but it's not discussion. Yeah. And same with adjectives, describing what she looks like, tona ahua. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 
Yeah. So, so they're all all. All's. Even though I, I think what I'm getting is just because he's saying my wife is an R, ah, he'd say taku wahine. Yeah. But her feelings and yeah, her looks, her yeah. ahua, they're, still they're all. all. Yeah. yeah. So emotions are always all. Feelings are always all. Thoughts are all. Yeah. Parts of the body is always all. Yeah. All category. Yeah. As and alls are so hard. Yeah. Eh? So much wānanga about those ones. For me, because I spend a lot of time with people that speak Māori all the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes natural. Yeah. I'm not thinking about it. I've got to a point anyway where so and um, because I'm in those conversations all the time, it's when you're not in a group practicing the language, using the language, then and you're only going to use it sporadically or at times when you're in class or wherever, then you're you're not exposing yourself to te reo as much mm. as a person who's who's in the circles that I move in. Yeah. Not even circles, they're actually my friends. Mm, yeah. And people that are, you know, and, and me and Nahu, we speak Māori all the time. And, yeah. You know, wahine. So it's different for everybody. So it's it doesn't seem mm. as laborious or difficult, I guess, to get the R all category. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're doing as opposed to picking it apart, it's really hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, from my understanding, anything that goes on or in your body, so like kai or your clothes, is an or. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then that's the same with your feelings and your looks because they're on your body. Mm. And then everything else that is not, except for transportation, mm. is an R. Yes. And houses and stuff. This is where the debate can be had in regards to food. So food is in the R category. Okay, but right. like, what about kumara? Yeah, well, it's still a food, so it's R. Okay. Yeah, yeah. see, there's all these exceptions that start yeah. to... Yeah. yeah, there are there are some yes. exceptions, yeah. but if you were to eat something as a rongoa, yeah, yeah. it becomes O. O, yeah. Or because rongoa is for... Healing the body as Healing opposed body. to sustaining oh, it. I yeah. see. Mm. I see. And yet the word or we have an old word, which is or for sustenance. Yeah. Which is where we get the whakatauki, te amorangi kimua, te hapai o kimuri. So te amorangi, classically, traditionally, was the priest, was the amorangi, who was sometimes carried on an amorangi, or the rangatira, yeah. or the ariki, and his food, or her food bearers, were behind carrying the or, ko te hapai o kimuri. Oh, Okay. The servants. Yeah. Yeah. Which has now taken on another meaning. Now it means you karakia before you do the you do the spiritual things before the physical. Yeah. But that word all is an all category, can be both all and ah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's getting technical. Yeah. That is technical. <laughs> So I know a couple of years ago, I think through AUT, Serti Motikaretu, Kia ora Papa, convened a hui with some of his ilk. Well, actually, who is of Timoti's ilk, really? I should say some of his past tawira, those who he believes in. Their wānanga for two days was on art and all. Oh, my mm. gosh, yeah. Yeah, and they just went through a whole list of things and different things. And one debate was over a bulldozer. So I, I class a bulldozer as an all because it's a vehicle. Whereas yeah. someone in the hui 
She said, no, it's an R because it's a tool, even though it's for transport. But all transport are even, tools, even they? though you're even though you drive it, and that it's actually a tool, so it's an R. So, an so what's a waka then? An or. An or. Hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so there you go. So how we didn't confuddle you in that? Um, <laughs> my thing is, uh, don't worry about all of the you know exceptions and things. You get the get the foundation down. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yes, How do you feel about R uh, in all categories, Julia? I'm still working on the foundations. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's sound advice Yeah, to pick up the exceptions on the way. Yeah, and that's what's cool about having both of you in this session of Taringa. You're both sort of in different mm. places in your te reo journey, so mm. it's cool. We all are. I mean, I'm still learning. I learn every day. So don't think that and, and I actually, I had this conversation with Timothy, and I said to him, you know, your Timothy Karitu, do you still learn? You know, is there anything left for you to link? And he said to me, yes. He still learns new words, new old words. He still finds interesting things reading, I think, and a good tip to those of us that are at that level of language is to read some of the old newspapers. Oh, cool. Yeah, and there's, if you go online, NZ Tech, I think it's called... New Pepper Māori, search that, and you can go on, then you can do a keyword search, and it's really, really interesting reading the newspapers from the, the Māori newspapers from the 1800s to the early 1900s. Yeah, so he's still learning, so, hey, there's no excuse. If Timothy Karetu, who was the, you know, Te Atua o Te Reo Māori, and he says he's still learning, then there's no excuse for anybody, really. Yeah. Mm. I think it would be a sad world if you couldn't learn anything from it. Exactly. I love learning. Hmm. Just saying. Me too. I think we all do. I've got a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot to learn. Here's one from Pare Puketapu. Embalming. What did we traditionally in the past oh, do around to Pāpaku? I just love it how these questions, you know, we just They're so go, diverse. We've gone from Ahe to Taya, then we've gone to Ah or what else have we done? And now we're in embalming. Yeah, I'm, I'm so curious. So I'm going to start with the kupu weta. Okay. And weta. Yes. So if you looked up weta, which is a common mispronunciation, mm-hmm. is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. For the New Zealand native beetle, we all know, or we think it's a weta, but it's actually a weta. Weta. Weta is. A wisp of grass used to clean the anus of a tupapaku or a dead body. That is what a weta is. Yes, I've heard this recently. Yes. And a weta is the beetle. If you could see me, my mouth's dropped open <laughs> <laughs> in shock. Well, didn't you see on um Are you thinking of that? Are you thinking of a wisp of grass? <laughs> <laughs> there was a big article on stuff about, you know, weta needing to change their name. Well, now they know that it's a wisp of grass. It's so yesterday. I've I've sent, and if any of the employees are, I sent an email to them a long, long time ago, yeah. ages ago. My queer said weta, and I've heard Komatsu use it, but it was actually brought to my attention in the class uh, in uni a long, long time ago now about that particular kupu. But yeah, so anyway, in terms of embalming processes, I know a lot of iwi had their 
own special ways of looking after two papaku. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you were in the snow, you would utilize the snow. Oh right, yeah, oh. yeah. And recently, well, recently in the past ten years, quite a prominent komatu of Taranaki passed away, and they went up and how they had him in his faremate or his house of mourning, where the tangihanga rituals took place. They actually dug out underneath where the two papaku was to lay or the deceased and they filled it with snow. Oh, yeah. And then they put a whāriki on top of the and then lay the two papaku straight on top of the whāriki. It's put, so clever. Yeah, and then put kākahu over him or kōrowai. Yeah, and had he been embalmed? No. Oh, yeah, 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 cool. No, and... Because he's on ice. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but talking to some embalmers and funeral directors... A lot of that too is to look after why we do have embalming, you know, we embalm to papaku and things like that, is to actually look after the living as well because, you know, there's all sorts of things that can happen. And so, yeah, it's not just about preserving the two papaku these days. It's mm. also about the preservation of life in general because, say, people don't get sick, sick or catch yeah. any bugs oh, or things. True. So yeah, that's the other side like of that. looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, I've had some good corridor about this. And while the two I've talked to, they think it's a good for Karo that we want to revive these things, but we just need to be careful about how we go about it mm. because we need to protect ourselves as well. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, I've heard corridor from people that live by the sea. They use the sea water. Yeah. For their two papaku. Where I'm from, there was a swamp oh. and they would take them down to the swamp at night. And it was quite, you know, intimate. Not everybody knew about it. And they'd take the two papaku down to the swamp. And if you look at, uh, you know, in a lot of the swamps, particularly around this area, there was tannins and things like that from yeah. the from the rako, the trees that were in the swamp water and yeah. that, which helps with Preserve, that. Yeah. yeah, yes. And they'd wash the two papaku at night in there and then prepare it for the next day of tangihanga. Mm. Yeah, so there were all sorts of things that used to be done yeah. and, and, you know, blocking up certain areas and things like that mm. as well. That's all part of it. I yeah. see um, more and more now it's getting more common to not have a casket, like a wooden coffin, but more people are bringing back in the traditional woven, I don't know what they're called, but they just look like nice big basket, mm. harakiki, Things. One of the iwi here, they, and, and those of you that are listening, or in Māori, we have the last night, which is the night before we bury the, the beloved, mm-hmm. and they, and we call that the, either te pō whakamutinga, te poroporoaki, mm-hmm. or an iwi here, their term, which is which I use now, they say this is te pō takapau. Oh. And takapau is another word for whāriki or mat. Oh, right. And yeah, yeah. the poor takapo is when the mat that they were lying on for the duration of their tangihanga, that becomes their coffin, so to speak. Like a wrap. Yeah, that was the night that they would wrap the two papaku in their takapo. Yeah. And as they're wrapping the two papaku, the speeches are going, the kōrero and waiata and things like that. And this process traditionally would take place at night time up until the morning. And now the what's taken place is now we put the the topoku or the lid of the coffin on early early in the morning. Yeah. Or before the sun comes up. I know the Whanganui peoples they they hold on to the 
midnight tradition or when it gets quite late in the night, that's when they put the taupoki on. So yeah, in regards to embalming of bodies, yes, we did do that and there were particular leaves and mosses that we used because, you know, it would get honga. Yeah. One of my koroa that's in his age 85, he just turned 85, he remembers as a boy a tangihanga reo marae that went for a month. Really? Wow. wow. Yeah. That was the normal. That was no. Nah, it was a one-off. This oh, one, yeah. and he can't remember who it was. It must have been somebody rangatira or, very special. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And you know, and this is you know, this is when everyone used to walk and had horses. Yeah, Not so many people had ages. cars. Right. And Tafio was the same. I think he took longer. King Tafio, I should say, he passed away not far from here at Parawira. and it took them weeks to get him from here to Taipuri because at every settlement. His entourage stopped that they had a tangi for him. Yeah. And they'd have a tangi there for a couple of days and then pick him oh up and they'd gosh. go off again. Yeah. So, yeah, we did. We did those things. And back in those days, it would have taken a while for the news to get around the motu. Mm. So people would have been flooding in from all over the place. Oh, exactly. And, you know, just to fast forward it to today now, and it's one thing I've seen is, you know, social media has had an, a huge effect on the crowds that come to Tangihanga. Mm. Because you know instantly, almost, not long after someone passes away, the corridor goes around really, really quickly. Yeah. I remember as a, not that old, but I remember, you know, sometimes we wouldn't hear about tangi till after the person is gone. If mum wasn't home when my nan called or whoever, or we were away, didn't have cell phones, then you wouldn't know about it. Yeah. You know? So social media has had a huge effect on, Mm. on not just tangihanga, but, Hui in general and all sorts of things. So. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, embalming. Yeah, we did. Can you talk a little bit about the actual word to Papaku? Because I've um, heard they used to um, stand the bodies up. Yeah, so they put them into. Um, here's me, I'm going to like. Show me. <laughs> Show He's the demonstrating stars. to us in the studio right now. Oh, I was going to do a squat. <laughs> so, yeah, they'd, they'd gather the knees up to the to chin, chin and yep. then the arms around like this. And that was the two papaku, but... Around two, the chest. Yeah, around the mean chest. like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> you can't see him, but... Yeah. Yeah, so they'd be sort of like in a sort of squat crouch position. That's how they'd be presented through the tangihanga. Rather than like lying down. Mm. Yeah, rather than lying down. They'd be sort of sitting there. Yeah, and two papakus. Almost a a fetal position. Yeah. Yeah. Did that have any connection to that or? I'm not sure. I think it might have been just, uh, and and, you know, think, oh, because you know about rigor mortis and all of that Mm. sort of stuff. So they would have had to do it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, before... Because I remember, you know, being told about one of our kuya when she passed away. She she didn't have a hunchback, but she was pickle, you know, so she was bent over. Yeah. And when she passed away, they had to crack her, crack her back oh. to put her in the coffin. And yeah, she was like six foot something when they yeah, when they got her out straight. Yeah. yeah but everyone had only ever seen her crouched wow. over as a kuya with her tukutuku. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about the fetal... No. Thing, yeah. But I have seen some photos of other cultures that they've done the same thing. Yeah, other indigenous cultures. Mm, mm. But the other thing too is, is two papaku also means to be uh, as an invalid, someone that's sick. 
So, oh, okay. but we don't use it anymore like that. It's yeah. always means someone that's passed, passed on. on. Mm. Yeah, and I think the other reason too why they done that was to train those bones because. Sometimes they would leave the body like that. You know, we've heard, you've heard, or you may not have, how they would be put up in a tree yeah. or somewhere and they'd, then, you know, they'd, how they could be pakea, decompose decay, yeah. and decay. Mm. Or sometimes there was also methods they employed to actually sort of like dry the two papaku and they'd bring them out for things. Oh. Yeah. Wow. There's a story, I think it's, I could be wrong, but I think it's the Kaingaroa Plains. And there was a rangatira that they done that to. Yeah. And one of the ministers of parliament, this is back in the 1800s, attended this hui that the rangatira uh, had passed away, obviously, or had passed away before this hui, but he would have been there to host him. Because yeah. Was, and because the iwi felt that he should be at this hui, they preserved his body. Yeah. In this way, and at the hui, they brought him out. Wow. Is it kind of like a taxidermy Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> mummifying them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just recently, Professor Po Teemara, who, who lectures at Whareuanonga Waikato University of Waikato, and he's also one of the co-kayako for Te Panekiritanga Otereo, for Te Wānonga Otereo, he was telling me that, I don't know who, but currently there's some research going into how... Māori dried tattooed heads. Oh, yes. Because our process, we had a process whereby the head didn't actually shrink. Oh. Uh, it kept its facial composition or structure. Unlike other cultures that did used to, to dry heads and things like that, where they would lose a lot of the mass of the head and it would yeah. shrink quite considerably. Hence you get, you know, these legends about tribes that shrink heads and things. Yeah. But yeah, the Māori process wasn't so. So there's some people doing some research at the moment on that. Wow. Yeah. Have, just on that topic, have you ever been to the Wahitapu area in the archives and at Te Papa? Yes. Oh my God. I haven't, but I'd love to. Yeah. So there's two, there's one in Te Papa and there's one in, in Auckland Museum too, but the Te Papa one is downstairs in the Auckland one is upstairs. When you say there's one there, do you mean like a preserved so head? Heads. 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 They've, yeah. they've got like mm. a hundred or so in Te Papa, eh? Yeah. A few years ago, and if you don't know, Te Papa is our national museum in Wellington, Te Papa Tongarewa. And every three years, uh, Iwi gets to host an exhibition there. And a few years ago, Tainui, the Tainui Pact, hosted the Tainu exhibition. So I got to be a part of some of the kaupapa there because I was on the board at the time that put together ex the exhibition and I got to travel overseas. So we went to Stanford University, who's the family that has donated most of the putia that set that university up. I forget their name. They were also avid collectors of yep. cultural peculiars, I should say. And one of the things that they did collect were mokomokai and koiwi and things. Yeah. And I got to go over there to Stanford to have a look. Oh, my gosh. Uh, before they were brought back to Te Papa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so were they gifted back? Yeah. Or, yeah. or did Te Papa buy them back or whatever? No, we got them back from the from Stanford University. Oh, wow, yeah. cool. And we called in there on the way to Mexico. 
Wow. Yes, you do. Because one of my... Um, <laughs> Julia's like doing these meanest puka you've ever seen me do before. I'm so impressed. <laughs> I'm so impressed. Yes, it's the stuff you hear about me. You don't realise that, mm. you know, it actually did happen and they were a, a commodity, eh? Yeah, yeah. They used them for so, trade. Yeah, there's some really, well, they're quite macabre photos of... I forget his name. He's Pakia and he's got this, this whole, he's got a, yeah, a the whole wall of, of them. them eh? it's really, I just think really it's, it's yeah, grimly. very macabre, isn't very. it? Imagine in your house having yeah. a whole lot of heads. Yeah. One of my friends, he's a Tamoko artist and he's been there a few times and he was saying that, because a lot of them that they've got returned, they don't know where they've come from. Mm. He was saying, if you look at them, you can see some are prepared in um, particular ways. And mm. if, you know, if he was running the place, he'd kind of group all of those ones that were prepared with this, like, kawakawa stuffing or whatever stuffing or whatever mocha around the bottom. You'd know that those were all from the sort of same area. But if you look at some of the um, moko on them, you could distinguish which iwi they might come mm. from because of the traditional mark. So who killed them, but where they were from? Oh, another interesting thing he said was that some of them, you could tell, were actually, they might have been sick from, I don't know, influenza or whatever, and actually passed away. And after they died... That's right. The moko was applied. Yeah, the moko was applied afterwards, and yeah. then they were sold. Yeah. Was that to make them more valuable? Yeah. Yeah, oh. so they could yeah. sell them. Right. For yeah. guns and whatever. These... Heads that mm. were prepared, were they important people or no, not necessarily well, by the sounds of it? That's why they were putting the moko on them because they were selling them to, to make the, them think whoever, the Pakeas or whoever, that they were selling them heads of chiefs. The Pakea didn't care. They, they, it was all for looks. Yeah, it was all for having something peculiar like that in their collection. Mm. Yeah, and throughout museums across the world, I'd say that a lot of those toy moko is the term that they've been using now, not mokomokai, which holds some negative connotations. Yeah, a lot of those heads, some of them were rangatira and some of them weren't. Mm. Yeah, so there was there was a bit of a booming head trade for one part there. Yeah. Mm. Crazy. For some reason I just thought of talking heads, but... <laughs> well, they weren't talking <laughs> us. No, they weren't. But I'll, I'll say I've, I've had a fascination for them right from a young age when I saw photos of them. Mm. Yeah. I never was scared of them, but I always I always felt aroha for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, you know, back in those days, they were just really, all they were trying to do was, was survive. Mm. And so you got to do what you got to do. And if, yeah. if they passed away <laughs> from inf- influenza or whatever, yeah. then you might as well. Yeah, I've read things and I don't know how true it is that they actually would not, you know, knock people off just for the Yeah, heads. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't know how true that is. Yeah, and then I've also read about the ones that died naturally or, yeah, otherwise, and the moko was applied afterwards. And even, like, some of them, if you do look at them, some of them you can tell, like, some of them weren't even applied by tohunga tāmoko. Yeah. There you go, that made for interesting conversation. Mm, sure yes. did. Man. Yeah. Hohonu. There goes Patapatai part two. Mm. Hope you, the audience out there, enjoyed some of those answers to some of the questions and comments. Wananga. I don't call them answers, I call them wananga. Yeah, wananga is a better yeah. term for that. Yeah, we've had a good wananga today. And it's been good to have Julia in here as well. Absolutely. Hope you enjoyed it. Oh, kia ora korua. Nice little cameo. 
<laughs> what have you back? Actually, I'm thinking we do one on Tikanga versus Ture. Mm. That'll be a good one to have yeah. one on. Because that's something that comes up a lot in Wananga that I run. Is oh, okay. uh, Tikanga versus Ture. And, you know, being to a few talks from the man himself, um, Wanda Jackson, talking oh, about how... Uh, he's amazing. Yeah. How Tikanga was the Ture of the land. Yeah. But that'll be another Wananga. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it'll be cool to have you here for that one. So this week's Waiata o te Wiki is He Hau Afio, which features on our on the Te Wānango Aotearoa Songs of Rangahau album. You can find it on Spotify and iTunes. And He Hau Afio actually was is written by and sung by Alana McDonald, who is also part of our awesome sound crew that we have here at Te Wānango Aotearoa. Is she still part of it? Yeah, she still helps out, oh, eh? Oh, I mean, didn't know that. Kia ora, yeah. Lana. Kia ora. Yeah, yeah. And so here we go. Ko tahi waiata. Tēnei rā te huri e tiria i hoki te one E tutu ana i te hau nāna i kaue ake Ki te huinga tamariki o tāwhiri
Kirore Kahuki. Beautiful. Kia ora yeah. Tuhine. Lovely. Yeah, no, that is a really lovely, beautiful song, eh? Quite calming. Very. Relaxed. Nice. Don't, we don't want to get too relaxed because we've still got a few more hours left yes. in the afternoon. Our mate. Don't get to do some mate. Any closing kōrero from you, Julia? No, just nā mihi nui kia kōrua um, and kia koutou for, for having me here and listening. This has been a learning experience for me, so I've really enjoyed it and I'm, I'm glad that I got asked back. Behave myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that one too. So yeah, we'll be in touch. And just to do a plug, I don't know what she's going to call it, but Julia's going to be doing a podcast of her own too. I so am. you want to give a little cool. bit of a oh, about that? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm doing, it's called NZ Free Law. And it's um, all about trying to make the legal services more transparent for, for the public in New Zealand. Just oh, um, yes. trying to understand and unpack. <laughs> That'll be such a great tool for so many people. Yeah, that's the code. Sounds like you're in need of that by the <laughs> No, but I have <laughs> had a few instances where I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff means. <laughs> and yeah. where to start, you know, yeah, yeah just yeah. just stuff like that, demystifying and, and so it's just different chats with different lawyers and different people from the legal industry trying to reveal, you know, hold mm. that curtain back. Cool. We'll look cool. forward to that when it comes comes about. Where will we be able to find it? I'm going to push it out through Facebook and all the normal channels. So, mm. Or you can go to ture.co.nz. Oh, that's, cool. um, I like that. That's the actual um, business that's, that's going to run to help. Uh, yeah, just connect with the public. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Cool. Is there any closing quarter from you? Uh, <laughs> Just everybody out there on the Facebook page, keep on writing in those questions and comments. And kia pai, tō rā, tō wiki, tō marama, tō everything. Yes, your drive, or whether at the gym or walking the dog or whatever you're doing when you like when you listen to Taringa, uh, to all our followers out there, uh, and across the world too. Tenako te katoa. Thank you for. Tuning, I don't really, really know if you tune in these days, eh? To a podcast, sounds not really, good. but it sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. Thank you very much <laughs> um, for doing that. And um, yeah, big um, shout out again to our man in behind the scenes, Tena Kwe Mokina. Yes, Tena Kwe. Um, he puts it all together. He's got the magic. It's a kind of magic. Komata tukotoru tene emihia tunei ikonei ite ipurau iraro ina manaki tanga atewa nanga aotearoa. Uh, Taringa, he mea tuku nā te wānanga o Aotearoa. To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe. Taringa, whakarongo mai. <laughs>